Welcome to MTZ Overflow Podcast. In this sermon episode, Reverend Dr. Marcus Allen is preaching from the title, Give It to Jesus, in the sermon series, Thank God for the Village. We're glad you're here. Waymaker, promise keeper, light in the midst of darkness. That's my God. Amen. The gospel according to Matthew chapter 13, 14, I'm sorry, chapter 14, starting at verse number 13. Matthew 14, 13. Grab your Bibles, turn them on, turn to, (laughs) amen. Matthew 14. Let us pray. God, do it again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 14, uh, verse 13. Very familiar passage of scripture. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. And he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place. The hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. They said, we have here only Five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Oh, that's the shout in the text. Let me say it one more time. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. I just want to preach from the topic today, give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. All this month we've been focusing on African American history and and we've honored different groups of people each week uh, from CEOs and corporate executives sororities and fraternities. Last week we honor educators and today we honor entrepreneurs and business owners. And I want to tell them today, those who are watching, those who may be in the building, give it to Jesus. As I um, gathered in my New Testament class and seminary taught by Dr. Borkin Sanders at Virginia Union University, he made a statement in class that started an uproar. 
He stated, the worst thing that ever happened to black people was integration. Dr. Sanders explained that integration calls black people not to support black people. The urge to be equal forced us to forsake black-owned hotels, businesses, schools, and some black people even left black churches for predominantly white ones. This exodus of support to black-owned businesses caused many of black places to shut down while making predominantly white businesses thrive. This week, I did some research on Greenwood Business District of Tulsa, Oklahoma, a place that was labeled by Booker T. Washington as the Negro Wall Street, or known to many of us today, Black Wall Street. According to History.com, in 1905, O.W. Gurley moved to Tulsa, and Gurley purchased 40 acres of land and established the first business on a dusty road that would become Greenwood Avenue. As the community grew, Gurley prospered. Segregation laws prevented black residents from shopping in white neighborhoods, and they kept money circulating in this community. A dollar circulated 36 to 100 times and remained in Greenwood almost a year before leaving. Greenwood became a self-sustaining community which featured barbershops and salons, clothing stores and restaurants, taverns, pool halls, movie houses, and grocery stores. This town was FUBU for us, I wish I had a witness here, and by us. Greenwood was considered by many the wealthiest black enclave in the nation. They had indoor plumbing and remarkable school system that educated black children. And an article published entitled The Devastation of Black Wall Street says undoubtedly Less fortunate white neighbors resented the upper-class lifestyle as a result of a jealous desire to put progressive, high-achieving African-Americans in their place, a wave of domestic, domestic white terrorism caused black disposition. As I was researching Black Wall Street, I came across of a period of time in our history called the Red Summer. Between April and November of 1919, there were 25 riots and mob violence against economically thriving black communities. 97 recorded lynchings. 97 recorded, amen, lynchings. And a three-day-long massacre in Elaine, Arkansas, during which over 200 black men, women, and children were killed after black sharecroppers tried to organize for better working conditions. On the morning of May 30th, 1921, after a young man named Dick Rowland was accused of sexually assaulting a white woman while riding an elevator, the next day he was arrested, leading to an armed conversation, conversation, com, outside the courthouse between 
a growing white crowd and black men hoping to defend Roland from being lynched. As things became heated and shots fired, the vastly outnumbered African Americans retreated to the Greenwood District. The white group followed and as the night unfolded, violence exploded. The white mob began to rampage through some 35 square blocks, destroying the community known as Black Wall Street. Armed rioters, many deputized by local police, looted and burned businesses, homes, schools, churches, a hospital, hotel, public library, newspaper offices, and, and more. But when others go in the streets, they're called thugs and gangsters. But we see where we learned it from. Many survivors of, of Black Wall Street, they, they, they report low-flying planes, some raining down bullets or seeming to be bombs that, that destroyed a community, totally demolished this community that took years to build in a matter of hours, leaving 10,000 people homeless. Imagine with me the generational wealth that would have been created from this community if it wasn't destroyed. Imagine the impact that, that would have been on the black communities across this country if these, this business center was still thriving today. Black Wall Street speaks to community, the gathering of together of others in order to accomplish a collective goal. It proves the power of the black dollar if we were united together. Let me say that one more time. It proves the power of the black dollar if we were united together and were not so fixated on Gucci and Prada and all other types of things because we spend more money on clothes than any other race in this nation. Imagine the wealth we can build up for our children. It shows the, re this Black Wall Street shows the resilience and the strength of our people, uh, how they moved to a dusty road and created a thriving business center, creating something out of nothing. Such is the case in the text today, my brothers and sisters. Jesus takes very little that is given unto him and turns it into a lot to feed all of the people. So the question today might be, why should we give it to Jesus? Why should we give it to Jesus? Well, we should give it to Jesus because we have to learn how to appreciate what we do have. Amen. <clears throat> we have to learn how to appreciate what we do have. Jesus received a message that his first cousin, John the Baptist, has been healed. John's head has been served on a platter uh, to Herodias' daughter, and Jesus uh, realizes that Herod was afraid of his fame and his power. Therefore, he he, he thought Herod would try to kill him also, so the Bible says Jesus leaves the area quickly. 
we can learn a lesson from Jesus here in the text that in times of danger, when God opens a door of escape, it's all right to flee for your own protection. Y'all not feeling me in this place. Jesus proves that, that when God opens a door of escape, it's all right to live to tell somebody about it. Bible says he departed by ship to be alone. He goes to a desolate place. However, some people come looking for him, expecting him to provide them a healing. The presence of Jesus makes this desert, desolate, and dirty place not only bearable, but he makes it desirable. I wish I had a witness here. Wherever Jesus is, that's where I want to be. Hey, I, don't, I don't care if we're in the valley. I don't care if we're in the darkest place. As long as Jesus is there, that's where I want to be. This is the same mentality that these people have in the text. And evening has now come, and the disciples make a suggestion to Jesus. We are in this deserted place. There is nothing here, and the hour is getting late. Let's send these people away that they may be able to feed themselves. They was basically saying, hey, Jesus, McDonald's, Burger King, KFC is about to close, and if it closed, these people won't be able to get any food, so let's send them away now that they may be able to feed themselves. But Jesus looks at the, dis at the disciples, and he tells them, you feed them. Y'all not feeling me here. They, they come to Jesus with a problem and say, hey, Jesus, the hour is getting late. These people need to go back to the city so they can feed themselves. Jesus says, no, you feed them. And I think this command is to all of us today. You feed them. When you see a need, yes, our first response to any need should be prayer. But after we finish praying, go feed somebody. I wish I had a witness. After you finish getting up off of your knees, go help somebody. After you get off of your knees and uh, consulting God, go and do what you've been asking God to do because God has given you something to be able to help somebody. Some here, you see a need, but, but you're hesitant to help or create a method in providing help because you don't appreciate what you do have. You suspect that what's in your possession is not enough. You feel like you didn't go to the right school or you don't have the right degree. You assume you don't have the right connections or the proper income or you think that you are not a part of the proper race in order to help. God is telling us all today, whatever you have, it's enough. Whatever you have. It is enough. You wonder, how do I know that? Well, in the text, the disciples, they, they say, hey, Jesus, we only have two fish and five loaves. <laughs> that, 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 that's all that we have. They let Jesus know this is all that we have. And, and, and I had a problem with this because they say this all that we have and they had Jesus. I had a problem with them saying we only have two fish and five loaves, but they had Jesus. 
Y'all hear me today? They, they had Jesus. They, they were with Jesus. They were with Jesus when Jesus was at a wedding party. And while they were partying at the wedding, Jesus' mother came and said, hey, Jesus, the wine didn't run out. And we have a problem here. Jesus said, hey, it's not my time. I can't do nothing. She said, okay, I'm cool with that. Whatever he say, just do it. The, the, he, the service, they bring Jesus the water. Jesus looks at the water and makes it turn over to wine. They knew who Jesus was. If they had Jesus, they had enough. I wish I had a witness here. They saw Jesus as he, people were coming up to him. He was healing them of their sickness. Never gone to Nazareth School of Medicine. He's never gone to any type of training for healing, but he was able to heal sick bodies without physical therapy. I wish I had a witness here without a follow-up appointment and matter of fact, without a doctor bill. Jesus was right there with them. They had Jesus and I've realized when Jesus is all that I have, Jesus is all that I need. Is that anybody else's testimony in the building that if I have Jesus, I have what I need? We have to appreciate what we do have. Yes, we, we have to appreciate the experiences we have endured. And I may not be able to speak to you about everything in life, but I've been through some stuff. I, I can tell you about what I've endured. And if God did it for me, he's able to do it for you. Yes. They, you have to appreciate what you do have. They didn't appreciate the two fish and the five loaves. But, but then, uh, not only must you appreciate what you do have, you must invest it all in Jesus. Invest it all in Jesus. Amen. Anybody ever played poker? Don't raise your hand. Amen. <laughs> when the poker game, when you know what's in your hand, and you know what's in front of you, you push all the chips in the middle. And you declare, I'm all in, because you know what's in your hand. <laughs> I wish I had a witness here. You, 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 you don't mind going all in when you know what's on your, who's on your side. When, here it is, here it is, here it is. Jesus, Jesus tells them, he says, hey, bring it to me. Uh, and you have to decide, my brothers and sisters, that if you're going to be in all in with Jesus or not at all. The disciples declare, we only have two fish and five loaves. Jesus says, bring it to me. It's, it's, it's like, um, it's like um, when you send your child, say, mother or father, I'm hungry. And you say, go in the refrigerator, refrigerator and get you something to eat. They, they, <laughs> they, they come back to you and say, there is nothing to eat in this house. And then mama go downstairs and somehow create a five-course meal. Because they didn't, know how to, they didn't know how to work with what they had. But when they put it in mama hand, I wish I had a witness, mama knew how to take what looked like nothing and make a meal to feed the whole house. Is there anybody testimony that you've seen it before where you looked at it and it looked like nothing, but when you put it in God's hand, help us today, God was able to take your little and make a lot. 
Jesus says, bring me the loaves and the fish, which suggests that Jesus was signifying to the disciples what you have is sufficient. Y'all didn't catch that. He says, bring me the two fish and the five loaves, which suggests what they gave him was enough. He never tells them, hey, go, yeah, you, Peter, Andrew, James, John, you all are fishermen. Go get your nets. Go get them back on the boat. He didn't tell them to go find more fish or bread. He told them to bring to me what they already had. My brothers and sisters, when God gives us a command to do something, he also equips us so that we can be able to do it. And God does not always call the equip. He equips the called. Which means God will tell you to do something without giving you what you need until you get on the journey. You hear me? God, God help us today, God. Before you ever go, God just waiting for you to take a step, and then he gives you what you need in order to do what he told you to do. You don't believe me? I see how y'all looking at me. But if you look at the Bible, the Bible says they gave Jesus the two fish and the five loaves. And watch this. They didn't say nothing else to Jesus. They didn't ask Jesus, you sure? You, you don't want us to go get anything else? We can run to the corner store and get some light bread real fast. Those of you all who know what light bread is, that's sliced white bread. Amen. They they didn't say anything to Jesus. They just put it in his hands and allowed him to do the work. Y'all didn't catch it. They just put it in his hands and allowed him to do the work. Still didn't get it. They just put it in his hand and allowed him to do the work. I, I, I wish I had a witness that understand when you learn how to just trust Jesus with what you have, uh, you can put it in his hands and walk away from it. And they give it all to Jesus. And, and when they gave it all to Jesus, watch the text. Jesus gave it back to them to do what he told them to do in the first place, feed the people. The Bible says, the Bible says they gave the fish and the bread to Jesus. And Jesus shows us all because he was the living example for us while he was on earth. That if, help us today, if we trust the father with our little, he could convert it to a lot. Because when, 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 when they gave it to Jesus, the Bible says he looked towards heaven, blessed it, broke it, and gave it. He, he, he blessed, and when he blessed, God the Father blessed. And then he gave, not to the people, but he gave it to the disciples. Because he told them, feed the people. They didn't know how they were going to feed the people. They just took what they had and put it in Jesus' hands. And Jesus gave it back to them to do what he had called them to do. 
God is calling you to do something that is going to be a miracle for somebody else. And he has not given you everything that you need right now. But when you decide to go as you journey, you will see some pit stops where God will equip you with what you need in order to do what he's already told you to do. They gave it to Jesus. Jesus tells the people, sit down. The disciples said, send them away. Jesus says, sit down. Let me say it one more. The disciples say, send them away. Jesus says, sit down. It reminded me of Psalm 23. When the Bible says, he makes me. Yes, sir, I feel real good right now. He makes me lie down in green pastures. My brothers and sisters, uh, uh, Psalm 23 is being revealed uh, here in the text because sheep needed a particular grade of grass in order to eat. I wish I had a witness here that they needed green grass uh, in order to feed themselves. Uh, and Jesus, the Christ, uh, the, or the shepherd in Psalm 23, will lead the sheep uh, to green pastures uh, where they can receive what they need uh, in order to live. We see in the text, while the disciples are trying to send the people away, Jesus is trying to feed the sheep. I got to go. I'm finished. I got to go. I, I, I have to go. I got to stop. I'm, this feeling real good to me right now. Give it to Jesus. You have to appreciate what you have already in your hands. You have to invest it all in Jesus. And then finally, I, I, uh, I got this from my wife. Amen. I'm going to give her credit for this one. Amen. I normally don't give her credit because I just say I heard somebody say, but this time I heard first lady say she read this and she suggested nothing is wasted <laughs> nothing is wasted y'all not feeling me let, let me tell y'all the story again that Jesus he runs out to this deserted land this desolate place and while he's there some people come and they find him and he heal their sick bodies and when he healed their sick bodies, the disciples said, hey, it's getting late in the evening. Burger King, McDonald's, KFC is about to close. Send these people home. Let them feed themselves. Jesus says, no, you feed them. And they said, oh, we only have two fish and five loaves. So Jesus said, bring it to me. He bless it. He break it. He give it to the disciples. He give it to all the people. All the people eat. And the Bible says they eat until they're full. 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children, which suggests maybe more than 20,000 people was in this area that ate off of two fish, five loaves. Y'all not feeling me here? And, and after the people were filled, after they were full, which means they ate enough where they were full. They stood up, they left. But Jesus said, hey, up, hold up, disciples. Go pick up all of the fragments. Go pick up the stuff that was left behind. Go get the overflow. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the, the disciples 
got the leftovers. And it's three lessons we can learn here, and I'm finished. I'll be in my seat that nothing is wasted. Let me tell you this. Just because you don't eat first does not mean you will not be able to eat at all. Let, let me say that one more time. I hope this helps some business owner or entrepreneur or someone making some plans or somebody in the house, you planning to do something in your life. Can I tell you, just because you don't eat first does not mean you won't eat at all. It's enough for all of us to eat. I, I wish I had a witness. It, it's enough for all of us to eat. And this concept, it, uh, this concept often causes us to call, uh, create this crab in the barrel mentality because just because they're getting blessed does not mean God is not going to bless you. And just because others are receiving something, it does not mean God has forgotten about you. God just allowing them to eat first. Don't, 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 just because you don't eat first does not mean you won't eat at all. But then, don't waste any parts of the blessing. Don't waste <clears throat> any parts of the blessing. They are instructed to get the leftovers. Leftovers are surplus food. Foods remaining unconsumed at the end of the meal. The people eat until they're full and the disciples recover what was left. Just because it was leftovers does not mean your blessing is diminished. Just because it was leftovers does not mean your blessing is diminished because there is a blessing even in the crumbs. Y'all not feeling me. There, there's a blessing even in the crumbs. You hear what I'm saying? There's a blessing even in the crumbs because Jesus, he blessed the food. He broke it. He gave it to the disciples to give to the people. If the disciples were left with only crumbs, it was still a blessing from Jesus. Because there's a story of a woman, a Canaanite woman in the Bible. She comes to Jesus and asks Jesus to heal her daughter. Jesus says, hey, uh, I didn't come here for you. Uh, I only came for my people. And I can't take food from my house and give it to dogs. She said, I'm not asking for all the food. I just want the crumbs. <clears throat> because the same ingredients in the crumbs is in the whole meal. <laughs> Y'all not feeling me in this place. The same ingredients that fall from the table to the crumbs are, are the same ingredients that are in the whole meal. So if you only get the crumbs, uh, you're still blessed. Here it is. Here it is. Don't, nothing is wasted. Just because you eat first doesn't mean you won't eat at all. Don't waste any part of your blessing. And finally, when you give, God will always give back more than what you put in. When you give, God will always 
give back more than what you put in. The disciples, they give Jesus two fish, five loaves. But the Bible says they left with 12 baskets of food. It don't make sense, right? They gave him two fish, five loaves. They left with a whole basket. They left with 12 baskets of food. Many of you are in here, many of you are pretty sure you've been to Sunday school at least one time, so you know there is at least how many disciples? Hey, Amen. If y'all didn't get that right, I was. No, no, no. Hey, Amen. Well, he's about to start Sunday school right here. Just 12 disciples, 12 baskets. One gave two fish, five loaves. Twelve left with a basket. Y'all not feeling me here? They, 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 they gave to Jesus first, then they gave to the people, and then Jesus gave to them. Watch this. Watch this, my brothers and sisters. There's nothing recorded that says the disciples get upset because they had to wait or had to serve the people before eating themselves. They waited, and Jesus gave them more. This helped me because I see others are being blessed, and sometimes I wonder, God, when would it be my time? Okay, y'all don't think like that sometimes? <clears throat> the disciples show us all when we work, while we wait and give, even when we may not have it, God will give us more than what we put in. I'm finished. I'm finished. But I like this because when I look at this text, you can see after Jesus heals one person, they don't leave. They stick around. They watch as other people get their healing. Can you all, let's go to this deserted place. Can you peep the scene? Can you see what's going on? Lame people show up. They get healed. They don't run from Jesus. They stick around. People who are unable to speak or hear or see, they show up. Jesus heals. They don't leave. They stick around. And Jesus, he proves that he was black. Be because after all of our celebrations, there's always a meal. <laughs> Have I got a witness in the building today? that can say I'm not mad when my brother or sister receives a miracle. I'm going to stick around and see what Jesus is going to do. I'm not going to leave just because God is blessing my neighbor. Because if he's blessing my neighbor, it proves to me that God is just in the neighborhood. The only 
home, the only thing is he's not made it to my row. Have I got a witness here? He's not made it to my address. So I'll celebrate uh, my brothers and sisters uh, as God bless them. Because if God is blessing them, it only means uh, my blessing is on the way. I feel all right this morning, y'all. And I just want to tell somebody today, uh, nothing, uh, nothing is wasted. Everything you endured, God uh, is using it for your testimony. Nothing, nothing is wasted. The hell that you endured, the losses that you experienced, that rejection or that denial, it only made you better. Because when you rejected my proposal, it just made me go back and improve on what I needed to improve on. When you rejected my application on that job, it just caused me to go back and research and see what else I need to apply to my resume. When you rejected me from getting that house, I didn't get discouraged. I just worked on my credit and getting my bills paid because everything that happened to me, God was using it to lift me up. Y'all don't believe me. I got a Bible to back up what I'm saying. Jesus could testify. It had to happen when Peter denied him. It had to happen when Judas betrayed him. It had to happen when they nailed him to an old rugged cross. It had to happen when they pierced him in his side, put a crown of thorns on his head. It had to happen. Nothing is wasted. So that's why we shout today because the blood of Jesus, it reaches to the the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. Nothing is wasted. Have I got one witness? The old rugged cross. We still honor it today. He died for your sins and mine, but bright early. Yes, sir. Sunday morning, he got up, and my brothers and sisters, that's the reason black people can relate to Jesus because we know what it is to be crucified, but we also know about the resurrection power. They thought it was over in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They thought it was over in Washington, D.C. They thought it was over when they burned buildings all across this country, but look at us today. We're still standing by the grace of God. Won't he make a way? Won't he bring you out? Won't he lift you up? Won't he walk with you? Won't he lead you? Won't he hold your hand? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Say yes. I feel all right. 
Thank you for joining us. We're so happy that you're here. Please continue to connect with Mount Zion Baptist Church on our Facebook page, YouTube channel, and our website, mtzlife.com. We continually put out new content, so be on the lookout and turn those notifications on. Looking forward to seeing you back here soon. Have a blessed day.